We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back, IB Nation. We got a little special treat for y'all today because of Election Day. That guy has the day off. So we have Vince D'Addario with us. Of course, Ryan Roberts joins me, Brian Driscoll, and we have a lot to talk about today. Look, everybody, the topic of today's Irish Breakdown show is going to be sort of about, you know, Notre Dame turning the corner and, and how the win over Clemson was huge, but it was a singular event. For this team to truly turn the corner, for this team to truly say, hey, look, this is the moment they arrived. I've had people text me, guys, and say, hey, you know, like, are we going to look back in 10 years and be like, this is the moment that it started, like the way that people look back at the Clemson game in 2015 against Notre Dame? Or in my case, I actually go back to the Orange Bowl against Ohio State in 2013. But, you know, 2014 wasn't quite the kickoff, but I really feel like that was the thing that started Clemson down that path. But it's a 2015 game for for Clemson that truly took them the next step. I feel like Notre Dame has already kind of gone through their Orange Bowl 2013-14 moments in the past. Now it's, okay, can you turn that corner? Will we look back at this game as being it? And my answer is, well, it depends on what happens next. And that's going to kind of be the focus of our show. But, fellas, before we begin, we have to play the video that Notre Dame put out. And – You got me excited it, this morning. I'll yes. tell you that. <laughs> Yes. So Vince texts me this morning and he starts talking about this video. And I'm like, you know, he starts talking about <clears throat> a comment that Coach Freeman had made about how he called, he told Coach Reese to to you know go with the play to Michael Mayer for the touchdown. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's that's cool. Well, let me just check the video out because I thought it was like a little one minute thing. Holy moly. <laughs> it was good. So we're just gonna we're just gonna play it, fellas. And I'm sure most people in in, in this chat have seen it. For those who haven't. Buckle up, because this is really good. And if you have seen it, Enjoy we're going to be ready to rock and roll. So here we go. Challenge everything you've done to this point. Do it better than you ever have. You the street. Do it with your brothers, man. Do it for him, no matter how hard it is. Competitive spirit. The man that wins the one-on-one battle will be victorious. Can the Irish pull off the upset once again tonight? Notre Dame has been very good 
at getting a hand on these punts. They're rattled! They're rattled! Hold right up. And this one is blocked once again, and the Irish have it. Botello gets a hand on it, and into the end zone goes. There's your game-changing play, Jack. This place is about to erupt. The big takeaway early is the corners of Notre Dame shutting down the perimeter game of Clemson. Clemson 0 for 3 on third down. Notre Dame showing pressure, and that pressure gets home. It's Howard Cross. Downhill running game. Run north and south at this defense. It's been the best play for Notre Dame all night long. And Hyde is going to keep it himself around the outside. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Michael Mayer through the block. This is a monster game for Clemson. Their national championship hopes, playoff hopes. No mercy. We got a lot of ball left. Let's go. It's our house. Pressure gets there. Isaiah Foskey drops him from behind. Clemson needs to reset. 14-0. We continue to run it at them. We're going to do it for the whole second half. They don't want that style of game. But we have to go take it. We're going to come out and go in the harder. The energy for this Irish defense has been infectious. Benjamin Morrison up to meet him. Benjamin Morrison having himself a game. Pressure in his face has to just throw this ball and it's intercepted. Picked off by Benjamin Morrison. Where did he come from? Having the game of his life. Let's go. Audric Estime in for the Notre Dame touchdown. Clemson has found ways to win all season long. Now 21, fourth quarter. This is where you really show where you're at. How you handle this one right now? DJ is picked off, intercepted again by Benjamin Morrison. Here goes Morrison down the sideline. Can he go? Yes, he can. Touchdown, pick six, Benjamin Morrison. He's a freshman. Notre Dame playing by far. Their best game all season long. Let's go, boys. Let's put him away. Come off the ball. Hit him in the mouth. Bloody their nose. Notre Dame offensive line has been doing it all game. They're going to move those chains. They can't stop Estimate. Here's Pye to the air. Wide open is Michael Mayer for the touchdown. Yeah, man. Great job. One more record that Michael Mayer now owns all by himself. Touchdowns by a tight end. Hey, you oh, pop the mic. He was like, Are you serious? Like, Are you sure? That's a great moment to get Physically dominated Clemson. They've been the better team since the opening kickoff. What a night. The Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame fighting hours. No! Let's go! Last week we said in the locker room, nobody but the guys in that locker room knew how good this group can be, right? Now the whole damn country knows how good it is. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've watched that at least 10, 15 times now already, guys. And I get the same reaction every time. Every single time. I sent it to my wife. She's like, that's so awesome. I'm fired up. My dad is fired up. I'll tell you what, you know, the, the video crew at Notre Dame, you know, the Irish media and the stuff that they put out, nine times out of 10, nine and a half times out of 10, it is unbelievable. They even yeah. found a way to make Jack Collinsworth and and jason garrett sound really good and entertaining yes yeah made them sound yes. good like they knew what they were talking yeah. about and they said it at the right times and oh man it was it was uh that was that was they do stuff. great i mean that's the thing is like the fighting irish media like when they actually do stuff like my my only complaint with them is they don't do enough stuff like that like yeah. you know i'd, I'd want to see them put up some like from like i said from every practice that they have i mean <laughs> right. they could they could own that sphere and it would be such great pr yeah. for the football team because when they do stuff like that that's it is tremendous yes it is tremendous and it they do really a great it, job they, yes. i mean they, they do a fantastic and i'm joking to a degree about the announcers but i'm I'll not watch, i'm not <laughs> at all Look, they, they've gotten they've gotten better as the season has yeah, wore on. I guess. That's why you don't hire rookies. That's a whole right. other conversation. But right. look, that video I saw it when it was tweeted out, like almost immediately. I think it was like one a one minute ago tweet kind of thing, and I watched mm-hmm. it. I'm like, oh, yeah. The, the and obviously the biggest take when you mentioned it beforehand for me was that Marcus Freeman is the one that called that pass play to Michael Mayer, and that says a lot to me because. 
you know, we were given we were giving Tommy Reese a lot of credit for the game plan that he called and all, and he still deserves all of that, right? Sure. And one of those reasons for me was that they went and took that shot, and it was like the that's just the dagger, the step yes. on the throat, whatever yes. analogy you want to use, right? Put it putting a team away, Vince. Yes, exactly. And it was yeah. beautiful. And to find out that Marcus Freeman is the one that made that call yeah. just mm-hmm. makes it so much better. It, it makes it, it doesn't take anything away from Tommy Reese, yeah. but it makes it so much better that the head coach is the one that made that call because for the last 12 years, the head coach never made that call right. ever. And, and, it's, and again, that's is. that's the point, Vince. Yes. We're not talk. We're not taking a shot like, oh, well, see, Tom Reese doesn't deserve credit. No, Tom Reese is doing what he's been trained to do up Correct. to this point in time, which is when you get a lead, you you know, you you run the clock out and let's get that double, right? right? Marcus Freeman's like, no, no, no we're we're going to do that, but we're going to do that by, you know, what do we? This is the frustrating thing. You know, the best way to put a team away: keep scoring. Yes, right. Like keep scoring, and it was a statement win. Yes. And and that transitions into sort of the topic of this show. Guys, you cannot become an elite team without wins like that. And right. and, and let's let's be let's be real about something, right? Did they beat 2018 Clemson? Nope. No. Did they beat 2016 Clemson? No. Is Clemson still a really good football team? Yeah, yeah. they are. Is Clemson still a premier program? Yeah, they are. And you can't get into tier one unless you start beating tier one teams with no excuses. Mm-hmm. And if you want to chalk up 2020 regular season as one where there's excuses, and we've talked about them, Vince, you and I talked about them at the time. This That's what made the ACC title game so important. You had to show up in that game or people would say, well, you only won that game because right. look, you, you needed overtime, double right. overtime, to beat them, and they didn't have Trevor, they didn't have Tyler Davis, they didn't have Mike Jones, like they didn't four have four legit right. starters, like, like four le- of their best players, yeah. right. right? And you say, okay, well, then you go out and you, you kind of get waxed, but now there's there are no excuses, right? right. I mean, if if anything, that you you could argue that the wind hurt in their name a little bit because they had zero pass game to speak of in that right. game, right? And it didn't matter, and so you got your statement win, you got your program defining win. You know, and there's the stuff going out about, you know, it took Brian Kelly 11 years to beat a top five team, which is true if you're talking about where a team was ranked when they played, which means the magnitude of the game. He did not beat a top five team, but I think it's a tad misleading because look, look, I dislike Brian Kelly, not going to hide it, but we're also going to be fair. They did beat a team in Michigan State in 2013 that finished the year ranked third. Right. So we'll give him credit for that. But I'll say this that was still year four. Right. We don't know where Clemson's going to finish. I don't know if they're going to finish in the top five or the top 10. I think for Notre Dame's sake, it's good if Clemson goes out and wins their next three home games and wins the ACC championship. Absolutely. Having said that, the thing that I will say is regardless, the moment was there, the perception was there. The players believe that this is a top five team. The the perception is that they're a top five team. They have been a top five team going back to 2015. And you not only beat them, guys, it's it's you dis- destroyed them. You took their soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's re- and, and if you listen to the Dabo after the game, you listen to the players that there's been no excuses. They've talked about we were ready. We had a great week of practice. There was nothing that made us think that this was about to happen to us. And, you know, you went out and you did it. And, I mean, you just saw in that video the energy 
Yeah. Yep. Just the intensity, the fire, the passion, the at halftime, you've got a backup defensive end at halftime and Nana. What I mean backup, like he's a rotation guy. He plays a lot. He's a key player, but like he's not like the starter. He's not Fosky. Mm-hmm. It's not Jason Adam Yole. It's not JD Bertrand. It's not captains. It's a backup defensive end just saying we're not done. We're not even close to done. Audric on the sideline. We got a lot of ball game left, right? There was never any moment of and Vince, you and I saw this live. Ryan, you saw this on TV. There was never any let up from an intensity standpoint right. from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And so it was a great moment. However, Syracuse in 2017 beat Clemson at home, right? Pitt beat Clemson in 2016 at Clemson, and that was a great Clemson team. Right. Just winning this one game does not mean you have now arrived. What follows next is what matters. The reason that you can look back at the Notre Dame-Clemson game in 2015 as being the moment for Clemson is not because they beat Notre Dame. They didn't actually play that well that game. They did Mm -hmm. what they needed to do. Clemson proved in that game something that a lot of people did not believe about them, that they could win win big games. Beating Oklahoma in the playoff the year before wasn't necessarily a big thing because Oklahoma wasn't perceived to be that kind of team either. You know, since since Oklahoma won the championship back in, what was it, 99 or 2000? I forget which was, 2000, right? 2000. Since then, big game Bob kept getting blasted in the big games, right? I mean, <laughs> so it, it was like, yeah, you, but you beat Oklahoma. It, it wasn't the same thing. Then you lose to Bama, right, in the title game. You know, uh, you know. I'm sorry. They went on to beat Oklahoma in the playoff that year. I'm sorry. I got it wrong. They beat Oklahoma later. That's correct. They beat LSU. They beat Oklahoma in a bowl game the year before, and that's what I was saying about Oklahoma. They weren't that good. But the point is they point to the Notre Dame game because that was a game that they had not won in the past. That's why Clemsoning was a thing back then because Clemson would just find ways to embarrass themselves, find ways to win. But they weren't defined by the Notre Dame game. That's not what made their tenure. That was the we've arrived moment. Yeah. But it, we don't look back at that as a, as, as a real we have arrived moment if they didn't do what came next. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. So, Ryan, if you're going to talk about Notre Dame turning the corner, it's not the Clemson win that's going to tell us that they've turned a corner. The great teams do it week after week after week, after week. That's what we have not seen from this Notre Dame team. So for me, fellas, it's what they do next, Ryan, that is going to say, is this truly a turn corner or was it just for one Saturday? This team played like it's supposed to and then reverted back to what it was before going into the game. That's what makes the Navy game. You want to talk about, well, why does Navy matter? That's why it matters because that's what we're going to learn if this team has truly turned a corner. I mean, it's stacking football games, right? Like it's stacking dominance. That's kind of what the next step is to, to see because, I mean, we could talk about the game on Saturday from all the layers that we liked, you know? Like I think that this video does a lot for me and it did a lot for the other people that weren't in the stadium like you guys, right? Because like we heard from everyone that was there about the energy and you could see it on TV and you could feel it on TV, but just kind of seeing it firsthand and seeing Marcus Freeman seemingly – really taking his imprint on this football team, right? Like putting his, putting his, his emphasis on how he wants the team to, to react and how they want to show with energy. And cause I mean, I mean, we've talked about it a ton, Brian, right? Like we've talked about in past weeks, like Stanford and a couple other games where it's just like, 
didn't see a lot of energy from this football team. There was clearly energy this past Saturday, so it seemed different, right? So in order for a trend to start, there needs to be a starting point, and that's what you're hoping that this game is. But to your point, it doesn't matter if you come out against Navy and you just lay a, a clunker. You know, like you're going to – like. You, you could play a really bad game and still win that football game against right. Navy, like no doubt about it. But if you come out and you just have a little bit of a lackluster performance, you don't have a ton of energy, then you're halting momentum at that point, right? Notre Dame has all the momentum now coming off of that football game, and this could be the start of it, but it needs to be the next step now. Your eyes need to be forward. Vince, it's, it's kind of like you look at the 2015 season for Notre Dame. You know, after – after the Clemson game that year, Vince, you know, Notre Dame went out and, and, and won some some games, you know. I mean, it was almost like a moral victory. People perceive them differently when they almost beat Clemson, right? Story of the last 12 I was, years. I was going to say, that's been the story. Right. Yeah. But yeah. they went out and beat a ranked Navy team the next week, you yeah. know, smacked them and had a great win over USC, if you remember correctly. Went on the road against a ranked Temple team, you know, primetime ABC game, Kirk Herbstreet's there, beat them in the road, went on the road, smacked Pittsburgh. It was 42-30, but as we all remember, it wasn't that close. Yeah. Pitt had a couple scores late. It was a blowout. And you're feeling really good about this team. They climbed all the way up to number four in the college football playoff rankings. And it wasn't the loss that Stan- to Stanford that knocked that team back. It was not showing up against BC and not showing up against Wake Forest, two bad football teams that they still won to, you know, Vince. Yeah, you still win. It's not about can you beat Boston College and, and Navy. They should be past that. It's about how you play, how sure. you prepare. Can you, can, you know, again, I'm not, they're not going to match the energy of the Clemson game at noon. That's, that's not possible. Against Navy. I mean, that's, but it's the yeah. focus, it's the right. physicality, it's the do your job sure. stuff. That's what this team has been lacking. That's what's going to determine if they are truly starting to turn the corner in the next two weeks sure. before we get to the USC. Well, game. there's two things I'm happy about about the next two games. Number one, the next, the very next game after the Clemson game is on the road. Get out on the road. Obviously, they've 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 figured out the road, uh, you know, success, right? They they've figured out that formula. Go on the road, take care of business in a dominant way. I have full faith that that is going to occur on, on this coming Saturday. Full faith. And then this game that was against Clemson, I think, gives a little bit extra juice to the next home game and your final home game over the season, which is Boston College. Because if they would have gone into this game and they lost to Clemson and then they, you know, they squeak by Navy and it's like a noon game, right? So, you know, not a whole lot of excitement around it. And they go into the senior game and we know kind of what they've done in senior games. And it's been a little iffy at times. I feel like the energy from the Clemson game is going to go over to the BC game. It's not going to be the same. I'm not even, mm-hmm. don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying it's going to be the same. It's either two 30 or three 30 in the afternoon. It's not a night game. There's no light show. There's it's no senior day. Yeah. Right? It's I mean, senior day, the, which right. is, is important. Right. But it can also deflect your focus. Right. Right. I feel like from a fan standpoint, and this is big for me, the fans at the Clemson game were, were the best that they've ever been. And that's going to roll over to the BC game. There's going to be excitement to be at the BC game now, as opposed to if they would have lost to Clemson and a lackluster game against Navy, et cetera, right? I feel like there's going to be a little bit of juice for this BC game because there's going to be people that couldn't get tickets to the Clemson game that are going to be able to get tickets to the BC game. They want to see this team now. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be juice the in the stands. And that excites me. Right. So I'm very interested to see what that's going to feel like 
two weeks from now or a week and right. a half from now, right? I, I think you're going to have it. And I think this team is going to rise to the occasion. They're going to feed off that energy and it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I think they're going to be able to turn the corner and then there's no problem that you, you, if you can't get up for the USC game on the road, then you know, yep. then you don't belong playing division one. Ryan, I want, yeah. I want to, you know, Vince and I talked about this with some fans in the, in the, in the, in the um, tailgate before the game. Mm-hmm. And people talk about, you know, why did Notre Dame fans sell their tickets? And it's really a twofold thing. Number one is, you know, you haven't had a great home slate in the last yeah, that's however true. many years. But look, sure. but they're selling tickets to the great game, Cincinnati, Georgia, Clemson. The other thing that a couple people mentioned in the tailgate that really made sense was, but the product on the field hasn't been entertaining. Right. Even when Notre Dame is good, it's not entertaining. You know, it's like you think about this long stretch of games against teams that aren't good that Notre Dame has won. And, you know, Brian Kelly never lost to – I mean, the last time he lost to an unranked team was like, what, back in 2016 or something like that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But there were so many clunkers in there. Yeah. There were, just there like were so many – you just won because you were just more talented than they were, right? Boring. It's boring And that's the, that's the key, Ryan. It's, it's not just winning these next two games. It's how do you look. And I think how you look against Navy, carrying that momentum is then going to feed into, as Vince was saying – the the energy of the crowd, like, hey, look, this team has turned a corner. Whereas if you just go out and lay an egg against Navy and you win, you know, 24 to 17 and you know, whatever, you still get a W, then there's mm-hmm. gonna be the, well, is this team really turned a corner? I think right. that's the opportunity, Ryan, is it's not just winning, it's how you win and, well, and the way you go about your business. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, Brian, even off of what Vince's last comment was. It's not only just trying to carry some of the energy into the next game. It's about carrying the mindset into the next game. You know, like that was the most impressive thing about the game, in my opinion, on Saturday. And you saw it a little bit in that video when we started here is that this team felt like they were the best team on the field and they carried themselves that way. And yeah. they dominated them. Like they it's felt not like that they just... way before the game started, Ryan. Exactly. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And, and Brian, you did you did the recruiting comparison article last week. And on paper, you're like, OK, Clemson recruits just as well as you better in most years, right? Like they have a lot of talent and Notre Dame carried themselves. Like they were absolutely the best team on the field and they wanted to not win. They want not to, you know, out scheme a team that is a similar talent. They played like they were easily the best team on that field that day. And that's the part that Vince is talking about with, it's not exciting football because you didn't – there was no, like, building of confidence, I felt like, in years past, right? Even when you finish off a game, it's not like we saw it this Saturday where it's like you've been running the ball down the throat. Let's hit the hit the dagger, right? Like, let's hit that Michael Mayer up the seam and let's take our last shot and then knockout punch. Like, it's different, man. So that mindset, I think, this week, even though it's against a lesser opponent from a talent perspective in a Navy. You need to come out there and you need to punch him in the mouth again. And you need to see that same mindset on a week to week basis. Cause that's what I need to carry into next week. It's not just yeah. about the energy. It's about how you attack a football team. Vince, it goes kind of back to something that you and I have been talking about for years, which is college football is supposed to be about passion. Yes. It's not about the methodical business like approach. It's and- about passion and because you can't turn that switch on see like the thing is like lou holtz never had to turn that switch on for miami miami and teams like that it was about trying to get that passion out of this team the weeks that they were playing somebody that wasn't good part of the reason that brian kelly was able to beat the teams that they were supposed to beat but couldn't beat the teams they weren't is because he brought them down to that level of 
of just consistency yes. from that middle approach, which is not the kind of consistency that you want because that requires you to then turn the switch on as a coaching staff, which you can't do. And, and I think that's the thing that, you know, that, that Ryan is talking about that I think is so important is they played that game with sort of the attitude we have hoped it was. And, and it started on Monday. I think it was Vince. I don't know if it was you or Sean said this during the postgame show. Like Marcus Freeman set the tone on Monday was, because yeah, Sean, yeah. for the first time in a long time, the mantra of, yo, we're Notre Dame. I don't care who you are. We're Notre Dame. We have not truly seen that, truly seen that in this kind of game, fellas, in a very, very long time from a coaching standpoint. The only team that we ever truly saw that from as a team was the 2012 team, and it didn't come from Brian Kelly. It didn't come from Chuck Martin as much as I love him. It didn't come from Harry Heastand. It didn't come from, you know, again, I'm Mike Denbrock, coaches that I respect. It came from Manti. Tyler Eifert, Zach Martin, right. teams like that. One of the issues that we've had with this team this year is the players have not been able to bring that out. And I think that Coach Freeman stepping into the to the to the mix the last couple weeks, you early in the year you go watch games from him, and and, I'm, and and the whole thing was like, look, I don't care if he's calm or whatever. That's not just be yourself, and and I don't care if a guy's yelling and excited. But what you're seeing is that's more of who he is. Right. And it's coming out naturally. Yes. Right. And then it's bleeding into the players. And that's something for me that was very big, Vince, because if you have that belief of weird Notre Dame, then you step on that field with a sense of, I don't care who you are, we're coming for you. Yeah. The other part of this was, Ryan, you and I discussed a lot this summer. And Vince and you and I did as well. Notre Dame the last couple of years was a really good football team. They weren't a really mm -hmm. physical football team. They weren't right. a real tough football team. They were just athletic and, you know, played a weak schedule. The thing we've seen from this team the last two weeks is this team is playing with a physicality that, again, reminds me of a team. I mean, we really haven't seen that since 2012 either, except this team just has more overall team speed than that team had. But that was one of the the characteristics of the Lou Holtz era, and it's not about trying to recreate the Lou Holtz era. It's that's who Notre Dame is supposed to be. Go right. talk to guys that played for era. Go talk to guys that played. You know, it was we're Notre Dame. You don't belong in the field with us today, and we're going to show you why. And we're going to play with an edge, yep. an attitude, and a toughness that you can't match, Ryan. Well, and I was going to say, Brian, when we had Oscar McBride on the recruiting show, he talked about that man. Like I, we asked him about some of his memorable games. He didn't. He didn't talk about the level of talent that was on the field. And he didn't even name the other teams that just had the best players overall. He talked about the physical games, right? Like he talked about Notre Dame wanting to establish and, you know, just, <laughs> just force their will on people, you know, like that was how they won football games. Were they talented for sure? Is Notre Dame talented for now? For sure. But the difference on Saturday was not a talent level thing versus Clemson, right? Like Clemson matches up yeah. talent wise at every single position. The difference was, is that you came out from the very first whistle and the Brian Brassies of the world, the Miles Murphy's of the world, the best players on Clemson who are darn good football players. You said, I'm better than you today. And I am going to exert my will right. on you. That's what they did in that football game. I mean, let's be honest, right? Is Josh Lug or Z Carell more talented than Brian Brassie? Absolutely not. But you know what they did? They kicked battled and they matched his intensity every no, single Ryan, snap. They kicked his butt. 
Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to say that too much because I have a lot of my heart hurts a lot for Brian Bercy. Yes. That kid's been through a lot this year. You know, mm-hmm. lost a sister during the season. Like, you know, uh, well, well, let's. let's I, I, I'm not trying to talk trash about Brian Bercy, yeah. so I hope people understand that. But what I am saying is that's an incredibly talented football player, right? Sure. If the medicals check out, that's a top ten to fifteen caliber pick. Josh Lug and Zeke Curl aren't sniffing the first round of the NFL draft. Well, on Saturday night, they didn't care who he was. They didn't care right. that he's a future top fifteen pick. Yep, Joe Walt, Blake Fisher, I actually think did. Yes, and that's the difference because. That's the dichotomy because you need Zeke Carell and Josh Lug say, I'm not worried about you. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at Notre Dame right. for Blake Fisher and Joe Walt. I felt like they played with a little, if you think you're bad, wait till you get a load mm-hmm. of me, Ryan. That's right. what I thought I saw from Blake Fisher. And that's yeah. a mentality fellas. That's not about doing your job. That's not about what's my, ex- my execution level. What's my footwork. That's all mm-hmm. stuff's important. Sure. But what we saw was that next level of no, 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 no. You're not the baddest dude on this field today. I am. That's what I th- Vince. That's what I thought we saw from Blake Fisher and some of these sure. players on Saturday night. Was that right there? I want to interject uh, just to build off something that you just said about you know it's not about where to step and where to go and where to be and all of those fundamental things because the last few years and correct me if you th- if I'm speaking out of turn here, it felt like they were thinking too much. Like they were thinking about where to go, where to step, and they would be a step behind and they would get blown up and it just wouldn't be or they wouldn't be doing it at all, right? That was the issue with the offensive line. Harry Heastan has come in and just ingrained what those fundamentals are. They don't think about it anymore. They just do it. And then they, then the next step is the mental side of it, where it's like, I'm a bad MFer, and I'm going to take your soul, and I already know that I'm going to have the good fundamentals, and I'm going to blow off the, you know, I'm going to fire off the ball, and I'm going to do all of these different things that we have been complaining about for years, they're not even thinking about that stuff anymore because it is so deeply ingrained in who they are as an offensive line that now they can take that next level right. to the mental side of it is like I'm a yeah and I'm well, going to take you and and we saw a lot of that previous thing early in the year on defense Ryan right when you look at the line absolutely especially yep but that's been changed the last two weeks too I mean I the play on there that just got me the most is said okay. This team has arrived. It wasn't anything the offense did. It wasn't blowing Bercy off the ball. It wasn't, you know, driving Miles Murphy four yards off the ball. It was a play early in the game where they tried to run, I think, a counter play. And -hmm. they're bringing their tight end around. And Maris Lufau destroyed him. Yes, I mean, just ran into the backfield and destroyed. I mean, he was shot out of a rocket. And you're like, (laughs) that's why we keep telling you all this wasn't a speed thing. It was a mental thing. Right. And so the coaching is important. But the coaching can only take you so far, mm-hmm. right? All the coaching in the world, Harry Heastan's greatness is not about the fact that he knows the game. It's to get his players to play like they know the game. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're seeing that. But the but you can't – it's harder to play with fire, Vince, if you're not necessarily certain of what you're doing. Or and, – and at times, I don't even think like last year the offense had issues with knowing what they were doing – it was just they didn't play with physicality. They didn't play with toughness. You know, they they didn't play with the the correct technique. They were being they were doing what they were taught to do on the offensive line last year. They were doing exactly what they were taught to do. Right. 
but what they were taught to do wasn't going to instill greatness. And yeah. what we're saying now is, I mean, to watch I Josh like Lug, thinking too much. Yeah, Josh I mean, Lug and Zeke Carell have been whipping boys for Notre Dame fans for years, and to yeah. a degree, it's somewhat understandable. I mean, Zeke did not play sure. well last year. You know, Josh played better than given credit for, but he wasn't great by any stretch of imagination. And and they both struggled first couple games of the year. Mm-hmm. Bench. How many times have we heard bench Lug, bench Mares, bench JD? Oh. It's like. Yeah. This is that's not always the answer, right? No. And and they didn't. They stuck with him. And Zeke has played really good football at center. I mean, his best games so far have been every bit as good as anything I saw from Jarrett Patterson in the past years. Now, he doesn't have the athleticism and the overall skill set that Jarrett did. It's a different type of skill set, but as far as just effectiveness, cuz what was the issue with Jarrett? It was always it was consistency. Yeah. Can you get it week after week after week? I mean, Zeke, and what I mean, Ryan, is not so much that his best game is better than Jared's best game, but he has strung together five games in a row. Like on Saturday, he was having a little bit of a tough time in the pass game. So you know what he did? Mm-hmm. He made up for it in the run game where he yeah. was excellent, you know, uh, and it's, it's that it's that level of consistency, right, that you just look at and say, okay, that's where, where this team needs to go to. And I, and I kind of want to transition a little bit, guys, to this next part of this conversation, which is, okay, what does it look like, fellas? Mm-hmm. What does it look like? So what does it look like for Notre Dame to build on this win? Because if you, what you cannot afford, guys, they cannot afford to miss this opportunity. What's been the story of the 2022 season? Missed opportunities. You had an opportunity against Ohio State. Not just the moment, but you had guys open, opportunities to make plays, things like that. Marshall, missed opportunities. Braden Lindsay opened twice for long touchdowns. You know, third and nine with a chance to put the game away. Same thing against Stanford. You, know, you take a fourth quarter lead. You got to – you know, this team has had a chance to win every single game they've played, but they haven't. And they haven't beaten some teams the way that they should because of missed opportunities. Well, this is now a big picture missed opportunity. Or, I mean, excuse me, this is now a big picture opportunity. And you've got to seize it. This is a chance for you to build from a, from a long term, from a, from a macro standpoint, a big picture opportunity, but also a micro standpoint of what this 2022 team looks like. So that's the next part of this conversation is what needs to happen for them to build on this short term and then long term. So basically the macro and the micro, right? I want to start first with the short term. We discussed it already. You need to go out there and do what you need to do to to take it to Navy and take the BC. You don't have to play a perfect game. I'm not expecting you to, you know, have the same kind of energy, but the Focus can be there because there's the thing. It's impossible to to replicate that energy that existed on campus on Saturday. Crowd, environment, magnitude of the game. You can't replicate that, fellas. And so don't so don't try. Recruits but what you campus. do focus on is the focus. Mm-hmm. You're hey, this is who we are. This is how we play. Right. And that's the key. And then you do that against them. You do that against BC. This is a three and six and a three and six and a two and seven football team. <laughs> Vince caught that one. Three and six, two. That's why he has five kids. Two and seven football team. Like, oh wow! Right? So um, <laughs> you have to take advantage of that and build the momentum going into USC. Because here's the thing: I don't know how this team is going to be able to go on the road and beat USC if they've slugged their like slogged their way through the next two games. Slogged, not slugged, right? Because if they slug their way through the next two games, I feel good about it. Slogged their way through the next two games. This team needs to build on this, right? So what does that begin with? I think the biggest thing is, is this team has to still learn to develop a level of consistency. 
what I liked about Saturday compared to the week before against Syracuse, I would argue the highs of the Syracuse game, the good moments were every bit as good as the good moments against Clemson. The difference is it was still this. It was a, it was a, you know, like good here, bad there, good here, great here, bad there, great here, bad there. Against Clemson, they eliminated a lot of the bad. And it was mm-hmm. just the good, and we saw how good this team can be. That, that's the first thing, fellas. It was the first consistent performance we've seen all year. All year. And I think that's the first thing they have to build on. Can this team go out there with the same focus and attention to de- detail and physicality? You know, Ryan, I'll, I'll kind of kick it to you first. Mm-hmm. That that they need to do is that's what we need to see against Navy. And I almost think, Ryan – that Navy's the perfect opponent for Notre Dame after this because they demand – you can look you at the three to, and six all you want, yeah. but they demand a level of focus and attention to detail that maybe a three and six team that runs a normal spread that just don't have players may not get out of you. So part of me wonders if, like, this is actually good that you're having to play the triple option this week because of the your mind has to be right. You can't afford to have a letdown if you're a defensive player when you're getting ready to play this offense. It's a great point. I mean, I would say first and foremost, the thing I keep talking about every single week that I've been wanting to see about the staff and this team is exponential growth, you know, and I think that kind of fits into it, right, Brian? Like you saw peaks and valleys, but a good football game against Syracuse, and you, but you saw a much more consistent football game against Clemson, which is why you dominated them, right? So the next step is that you need to keep building, keep building. This is not the – this is not the peak of how good it can be at Notre Dame, right? Like this is a starting point. So we've talked about that, right? Like this could be potentially be the start. So continue an exponential growth. And it's a great note about Navy because what does Navy do, right? Offensively, they want to hold the football and they want you to make mistakes. Assignment safe, right? Like who's got the dive get man? Who's got the pitch? Who's got quarterback? You know, all those types of things. Staying consistent in your pass drops and not just flying upfield and letting something go over your head off of off of some type of waggle or play action. Like those things, they're trying to make they're trying waggle. They're trying to make yeah, they're trying that's to triple, that's triple option talk, baby. <laughs> I'm getting ready for tomorrow, buddy. Get ready for tomorrow. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, guys. Love it. But Love I apologize. it. Open my mouth tra- a little bit. Offensively, they're trying to force you into mistakes, which means that mm-hmm. Notre Dame needs to be a mistake-free football team. Because the other thing that happens is if you're not mistake-free, that's also going to limit the number of opportunities the offense has, right? Like they want to limit possessions. So whether you're talking about a being a disciplined team defensively or being a opportunistic team offensively with some limited opportunities, right? Those things all matter. And the reasons, the way that you take advantage of those things is by being assignment safe, by being disciplined and taking care of business, man. Like this is a, this is, this is another day at the office. I think going down to going down to, to uh, Maryland this week, right? Like you want to go down there in Baltimore and you want to just take care of business. No mental mistakes. Don't play against Notre Dame. Play against Navy and come out there feeling as good as you do now. I mean, you're not going to replicate quite that, but right. you want to feel like you are heading in the absolute direction here. Vince, let me say this. I almost feel like another thing kind of working in Notre Dame's favor is the fact that they are going on the road this week. I, 100%. Yep, that's why I said earlier. I completely agree with you. And that's why I'm not as worried about Navy from a – you know, outside of the game scenario, right? Because they've got that formula figured out. I mean, they're really good on the road. I mean, they, they, they've, they've proved that time and time again. So that part I'm not worried about. I, 
What? What are you laughing about? Well, I, I here here's what here's what I'm saying. You're correct. They've proven that they can play well on the road. Okay. My hypothesis going into last week was that this isn't a road versus home issue. This is a good team versus bad team issue. And that's why I think playing Navy on the road okay. is the ideal because <clears throat> they they stink. I mean, let's be guys, let's be honest. Navy stinks. And they have they do. the last couple of years. There's no and they doubt have. about it. But and, and they lost to Delaware. Sure. They lost to Air Force. They lost to SMU. They're coming off a loss of Cincinnati, right? Blue hands right? are scary. They they stink. But so now, Vince, you go on the road and you've and you handle your business. My point is this: you've now dominated opponents on home and away. There's no more. They play well here. They play well there. They just sure. play well. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And here. Here are the things that I'm going to be looking at in this game for the macro or for the micro, right? As far as game planning for a specific team, like, like a Navy, right? And you mm-hmm. talked about how you have to be focused and all of those different things. What have we said about the defense, about when they're at their best, when they're triggered, they're coming downhill, mm-hmm. they're blowing things up. They don't have to sit and think. They don't have to process. They don't have to do all of these different things. Navy is kind of the opposite of that. You do kind of have to process and you do kind of have to think and you do have to be triggered on what they're doing. So that worries me a little bit, right? Because you can't really just bring, the, not bring the house, but like blitz and do, because they'll beat you if that is your defense. Right. Blitzing against the triple option is not how you defeat the triple option. You defeat the triple option by being assignment sound, covering all of the gaps and doing all of those things. It's got to be, it's got to be precise aggressiveness, right? Yes. Precision. Absolutely. Yes. You have to be, you have to be precise. Right. With your attack. You can't trigger that as the defensive coordinator in a game situation. You have to trigger that during the week and during the prep, the week of preparation for how you are going to defend the triple option and what that's going to look like. And so you're going to see a defense that looks completely different. Now, what I also need to see is I need to see the same competitive drive and precise tackling right. on the outside, on the perimeter, and all of those things. Because what a triple option team will get you is they'll just you know dive, 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 dive up the middle, up the middle, uh, you know, running ten and then eleven and all of those different things, and then they go outside on you with a quick pitch or with the triple of the triple option, and then they get you. Notre mm-hmm. Dame is going to need to tackle in space and fly to the football the same way that they did against Clemson this week against Navy. And I don't care that they're three and six. That doesn't matter to me. That is where Notre Dame has been poor in the past. We praise them up and down against Clemson. If they can do that against Navy, then I'll believe that they've taken that next step and that they are a really, really good defense. That that I need to see it because it's right. a different kind of a defense you got to play against triple option. Ryan, here's an interesting thing, too, about this matchup. You know, this is the second week in a row that Notre Dame is playing a defense that's only giving up 88 rushing yards a game. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And part of that's because they hold on to the ball a lot. Well, well I mean, the run. they held Delaware to 13 yards on 29 carries. They held Memphis to 91 yards on 32 carries. Tulsa had 25 yards on 18 carries. Temple had 20 yards on 20 carries, and Cincinnati had 55 yards on 20 carries. They give up 200 yards to Air Force, but again, giving up 200 yards to Air Force is holding Air Force well below their season average of 324. Right. 
right? And they gave up 105 to SMU and then 180 to S- to, to Houston. Houston's the only team, guys, that has gone over 4.3 yards per carry against Navy. The, the Navy is a much improved defense this season. The thing that's hurt them is their triple option doesn't work as well as it used to, but their defense is much better. And, and I think that is another reason why I, you know, cause I kind of feel like guys, sometimes, you know, the stars kind of have to align a little bit for you to really take that step. And I look at, I look at Saban's ascent in the sec and he's earned everything he's got, right? But there were also some things that happened that kind of helped him along the way, mainly Urban Meyer stepping away, right? I mean, maybe they're not quite as dominant because the East just fell off a cliff after Urban Meyer left, right? I mean, we can all agree on that, right? Like the, after Meyer mm-hmm. left, the East just pff, sure. you know collapsed because most of the team – because it was Meyer. And then what year did Spurrier leave? I'm trying to remember what year Steve Spurrier left South Carolina as well, because they started to kind of because South Carolina was pretty good for they for, were. for under Steve Spurrier. He left in 2015, but really 2013 was the last really good year for them, right? I mean, they had was three top ten teams in a row going into 2013. 11, he was there 12, until 2015. That's yeah. crazy. Wow. Yeah. 11, 12, and 13. South Carolina was a top 10 team. Florida was rolling. And then just those teams all fell off a cliff. And Tennessee fell off a cliff. Yeah. Would would Saban have gotten there? Sure. But he would have been as dominant. Maybe it would take him longer if those things didn't happen. Sure. Now, again, his first championship team beat Meyer, Urban Meyer. They did. Mm-hmm. Right. So they earned that. But your sort of your counterweight removed himself and then left and went to Ohio State, who you didn't have to play. Alabama played once, and what happened when they played? They got smacked by Myers' team, right? So sometimes, you know, things kind of, I don't want to say destiny, but things kind of work out where it's like, okay. And I kind of feel like that's who Navy is for Notre Dame right now because of some of the matchups that you that you have this week where it's like if you're, if you're Tommy Reese, you're loving the fact that you can walk into the room and say, hey, fellas, we played a pretty great defense last week, but guess what? The one we're about to play statistically is even better. You know, and we we can't just overlook this team. You you know, I don't care what they did last year. What what, what the other thing is, we've got to come out and do what we got to do. But here's the counter argument to that. Let's be honest, guys. If Notre Dame shows up focused, they're going to run the ball on Navy. Okay, mm-hmm. but here's the key. You know what they rank past defense? 114th. And Ryan, you and I'll dive on these numbers tomorrow. But the point is, it's a chance to get right. And the next thing this team has to do is, I loved the statement that Notre Dame made by running it down Clemson's throat and they couldn't throw the football. I love the statement, but I don't think that's a long-term sustainable thing. I think if you were to ask Marcus Freeman and Tom Reese, I think they would tell you it it worked great here, but if we want to beat Georgia, if we want to beat Bama, if we want to beat Ohio state, we can't run, we can't throw for 86 yards, right? Uh, Consistently win a game here or there. So the pass game's got to get going too, fellas. And I think that's, that's a part of this where, look, this team is not going to look like, 2015 Notre Dame throwing a football mm-hmm. it's just not sure, sure. doesn't need to be <laughs> you know it just has to be better than it is I think that's another thing that we can talk about too which will lead to kind of big plays and then tackling on defense Vince which you talked about I think those are all to me uh, taking positive steps beginning against Navy and then going into BC whose defense is not good is is an opportunity for this offense to get healthy and that's yeah. kind of my point to this is there's an opportunity for this offense to really get healthy. 
because I loved what happened Saturday night. But guys, they scored 21 offensive points against Clemson, mm-hmm. right? They scored what 27? Really, technically, only 27. I know they scored 34 technically, but one of their seven points came off of a possession where they got the ball at the two yard line. Another p- touchdown drive was like what 30 some yards. Yeah. Or, the offense still has to play better. You can't just repeat Clemson game plan every week, right? Because as we said, you can't match that intensity, that energy every week. So I think playing Navy and then playing BC, two teams that really, I mean, struggle to stop the pass because, I mean, I talked about Navy being Boston College is 52nd in pass defense. And a big part of that is, is because their run defense also stinks. So, I mean, you know, teams can throw on them for sure as well. Sure. Uh, you know, Wake Forest ripped them up pretty good. Florida State ripped them up pretty good. Maine threw for 289 against against Boston College. This is a great opportunity, fellas, to get right. Because if you can go into USC and still do all the things we saw against Clemson, and now you actually have a respectable pass offense, which is all we're asking for, right? We're not asking for you to look like, you know, you Joe Burrow got reincarnated into Ian Book, right? <laughs> We're just looking for a respectable <laughs> pass game. I think this next two-week stretch is important for that. And here's why also. If they really push the issue with getting the pass game right, Ryan, it tells me that this coaching staff is not satisfied. That's right. going to be a big key coming out of this. Is our, Do the coaches think that they've arrived? Or do they also realize, like, yes, we're a damn good football team, like Coach Freeman said. But we're not. But but do they also agree with us that fellas, we're still not where we can be and where we need to be. We can we can and need to get better. I think that's yeah. what the next two weeks presents this football team with an opportunity to do right. Brian, you know you know how your mind wanders sometimes, and you just start yeah. hyper focusing on like random things. I just started hyper focusing that I wanted to ask Vince who the starting quarterback in Maine is and see if you know about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't have a clue, my friend. Answer is Joey Fagnano. He's from Williamsport, Ooh, Pennsylvania. But like a distant uh, cousin. Yes, yes. Has to, yeah, maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. My mind is not is going off the rails a little bit today. <laughs> but I mean, Brian, you said it perfectly, right? Sustainability is my biggest thing. And it's something that we've talked about countlessly over the last few weeks, right? Like what's sustainable going into the football game is the mindset that we've been talking about right like you can replicate that mindset and that's the mindset you need to have every single football game but it's not sustainable to expect that every single week you are going to run it down a team's throat and they are not going to have an answer for it because there's going to be a game in the future where Notre Dame is going to have that mindset and another team is a really good football team and they're going to be able to match the intensity a little bit and they're going to limit the rushing attack to a degree right like it's going to happen sure so when your back's against the wall what is your counterpunch? What's the next step, right? Like you can't sit there and be a one-dimensional team because eventually a team will take that dimension away and will force you to be uncomfortable. And that's what the next two weeks represent to me is that you're playing against a couple teams where we're going to call it get-right games at some point, right? All for From the passing game perspective, you just had your get-right game, right? Like you just played a great Clemson team or a really good Clemson team and you dominated them at home. That's a, that's a get-right game, right? That's the ultimate get-right game. Passing attack, little-wise, there is a couple opportunities in a row where you can get that passing attack right, or at least heading in a right direction where you can be a more balanced offense. So great opportunity moving forward. There's no question about it because you've seen some teams have success against Navy, 
had some success against Boston College that aren't particularly good passing teams. And that's what Notre Dame, I think you have to answer the question now. You have to answer right. the next question that's in front of you. Because, guys, the whole point of this is I, th- I think that you have to avoid the players and coaches adopting this mentality. And, and I, I love – Salty, we love you. But like, to me, this is not this is not a, a good way of looking at this football team. And he says, I don't think comparisons to earlier games this season are valid. I think the team has reached and cemented its place at a higher level. The next three games will tell. You, you're kind of talking about out of – a little bit out of both sides of your mouth a little bit there. And I mean this with respect. That might have not been the right way to say it because that comes across as, as, as a little bit disrespectful, and I apologize. But my point is we don't know if this team has truly turned a corner. Because I thought, I mean, people were saying the exact same thing after they smacked North Carolina and then beat BYU. Well, no way they lose to Stanford. I mean, I think I might even said that. Guys, there's no way they lose to Stanford. It's just about how well, right? We wouldn't have predicted that. And that's the whole point of what we're trying to get to is we don't know that they've turned a corner. And just beating Clemson doesn't cement anything. It's Mm -hmm. Because here's the question that I wanted to ask Coach Freeman yesterday, and I didn't get a chance to. This team has shown – great resolve this year twice because it could have been very easy for let the season spiral out of control after Marshall. And it could have been even easier to let things spiral out of control after Stanford. And this team showed a lot. And I mean, we were talking about locker room issues and coaching issues and all types of things that we were discussing that we were legitimately hearing. And then you fast forward three weeks later and all of a sudden all is well, why? Because the head coach stepped up, the assistant coaches then followed suit, and then the players followed suit, which is how a football team is supposed to go, right? That's how it's supposed to lead. Head coach steps up and says, this is on me. Here's how I'm going to fix it. The assistant coaches follow his lead, and then the players follow all their lead. That's called – I mean, that's that's exactly called, the type of called leadership. That's called leadership, exactly. It's how great teams <laughs> are able to be good all the time. And, and you can be a leader from the head coach. Right. And then those assistant coaches are right. leaders over their guys. Et cetera, et cetera, Correct. all the way down. That's leadership. Correct. Now, and that is one thing I think Brian Kelly did a good job of his career and not necessarily personally doing it, but the structure, like the leadership teams that he would create in the offseason. Sure. I do think that allowed for the players to kind of take more ownership of the team. It was good leadership and, at the player level. Yes. And, and, and he has to get some credit for fostering that Absolutely. with those type of things, yep. which was needed because that's because he wasn't going to be there for three months. So right. different point for a different day. But but my point about this kind of comment is, fellas, is like, you know, this team showed that they can overcome adversity. What this team has not showed yet, and that's what these next two games will be about, because I have no, no, no doubt that if they sleepwalk through the next two games, they're still going to show up ready for USC. Absolutely. But does that mean you've necessarily turned a corner? Mm-hmm. I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from is, do I expect them to lose to Navy? Of course not. Do I expect them to lose to Boss College? Of course not. But guys, they lost to a Stanford team that was losing to Washington State 42-7 to at halftime on Saturday. Yep. Right? So that was in October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, they've played a UNLV team was really banged up, and then they played two good teams in a row. We know they can get up for those games. They, they proved that before Stanford. They proved that. Yeah, right. That's why I think these things are important because we do need to see that this team plays a level of competition because that's what my hypothesis was last week, and I, I think at least the first step of it was proven correct. It's not a home versus away thing. If mm-hmm. anything, being at home this past week helped Notre Dame, yeah. not hurt Notre Dame. Yeah. It's the level of the opponent. 
And that's where we need to see that this team, because that's what Bama has done all, all those years, right? That's what Clemson has done in the ACC. That's why Clemson dominated the ACC for so long, mm-hmm. because they would show up playing a bad Duke team and just say, we're going to have this sucker over by halftime, because we have bigger goals in mind and you're in our way and mm-hmm. we're going to handle our business, right? And so it wasn't, hey, this is a week off. It was, how dare you get between us and our goals? Yeah. We're going to put this thing away quickly. That's what Notre Dame has not had in a long time. And that's what, I, that's what I'm hoping that this team becomes because they do need to show that they can be that consistency. And the lessons that they could learn as a team, if they can do that this next two games, is going to not only help them on the micro level, guys, I think it also helps them on the macro level. I really do. Brian, I was going to say, you were talking about sustainable mindset and competitiveness and demeanor, right? Like all those things we're talking about going from a week-to-week process. I don't think you could just easily turn those things off, right? Like you can't turn it off the next two weeks and be like, oh, USC time, let's turn it back on. Like you need to live a mindset, right? Like for a mindset to be really there or else if you're able to turn it off and on that much, it's not organic, like it's not real. You can't just turn it on and off like that. Vince, you and I had a chance to work with a guy named Lou Samoji, right? Who people here know. And the thing that I've tried to explain to people is like, Lou didn't act respect respectful around people. Mm-hmm. He didn't act humble around fans that were thinking. He was that. Right. That's who he was. He woke up as a kind, gentle, humble person. He ate that way. He slept that way. He worked that way. And that's just who he was. It was, it was in his DNA. Yeah. Right. Yep. God made him special. Right. And this team is isn't necessarily made special by God. I'm not saying that, but like you're being created as as a program to be that all the time, right? It's like, is that who you are or not? Right? Because for Notre Dame to be a great team, they need to kind of their DNA has to be that. Of it's and that's why we always say it's process oriented, right? And I got a little choked up kind of late in the fourth quarter, Vince, and I said something to uh, to one of the guys at BGI. I said, you know, man, Lou would have loved this game. This was the kind of moments that Lou cherished as a Notre Dame grad, right? But part of the reason that he loved Lou Holtz so much is because Lou Holtz built a program that defined what makes Notre Dame unique. And it was just that consistency about it. And that's what we're going to need to learn about this team. And, and that's the thing is – Marcus Freeman showed he can handle adversity. Now he needs to get his team to learn how to handle success. Agreed. And that's the next step for this team, micro standpoint. I want to move on to sort of the long-term thing. What are the what are the areas that are still – here's where Notre Dame has to get better long-term. Because here's the thing. They're not arrived yet as a roster. Their roster is still not as good as Georgia's. I believe Notre Dame has a top five to seven roster. I do. We saw that on Saturday. Like, that was not a fluky game, guys. It wasn't like they caught some breaks. They, I mean, you look at the, did you see the video earlier this week? They put out a video of Brian Mason talking to his unit before, before the game. He said, if they get backed up, they're going to do this and we're going to go after it. And they, that's exactly what happened on that first possession. They were backed up. And they did exact. I mean, that's called great scouting, great preparation, and his players executed it. Why? Because he coached them to do it, right? And so, to me, like th- th- that was that was Notre Dame just whipped Clemson for four quarters, 
And they were the they were the faster team. They were the more athletic team. They were the more physical team. They were the better coach team on Saturday. And but they're so so to me, that's who Notre Dame is. That's a team that went toe to toe with Ohio State for 55 minutes. They have one of the five to seven best rosters, but it's not where it needs to be. There's a gap between Bama, sure. Georgia, you know, Ohio State and Notre Dame still, in my opinion. Not as much with Ohio State at most positions. But so I kind of want to get into that. And I think the first thing is, guys, Ryan, and I'll kick this to you is that's kind of his department and and a little bit of that. The recruiting needs to continue to grow. And and the 22 class was a step. Number six class. 23 to me is even better. It's a top five class, especially if they finish the way that we think we're going to even without Keon Keeley. This is a top five class, in my opinion. Especially if they get a couple of the guys that we talk about, and then twenty four has to get better. So there is still a level of there is still a, a level of recruiting. Number one, they need to get to, but most importantly, what Marcus Freeman has shown, this was never the question. Mm-hmm. The question was before the season was, can he do it on the field? Right. That's what the Clemson game and these next two games are going to give him an opportunity to do is say, guys, look, we got stuff figured out on the field. Mm-hmm. You're not just coming playing for me because you like me and I'm a good dude and all that, but I can we can coach you up, and that's the thing that Notre Dame looked like against Clemson more so even than BYU and, and North Carolina. They just had better players in those teams. They mm-hmm. had good game plans and all that, but like they still had a lot of sloppiness. They were clearly a well coached football team on Saturday night, Ryan. So if they can build on this win, then recruiting is going to have a big impact because now kids are going to look at Notre Dame and say, you know what? All that nonsense about how you can't be this, you can't be that there, that even the previous head coach would say, no, I can go there and be great. There's no doubt about it because I saw it in my own eyes. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, we, we talked a lot about this yesterday, Brian. It's about actualizing potential and the vision, right? I mean, we've been talking back to the summer about Marcus Freeman's ideology about how he wants to be as a program, how he wants to win football games, how he wants to attack recruiting. And we saw instant results as far as his ability as a recruiter, right? Like get some of these great players that were in the class at that point. But then you hit a little bit of a lull early in the season where it's like, okay, that's awesome coach, but we also have to see it, right? Like you have to see it in action. And I think that that's what Clemson did for a lot of recruits that were on campus, both committed and uncommitted alike is that they saw, that the action and the plan that Marcus Freeman and his staff has set is tangible, right? Like mm-hmm. you can get there. It's possible. So that kind of makes people start to think a little bit because 
I mean, let's make no mistake about it, everyone. Like, eventually, Notre Dame is going to go into a game against a really good football team where it's not going to be enough that you are energetic and that you are have this demeanor about you that you are the best team on the field because talent does still matter. Like, it does. Ryan, and, can I ask you a question on sure. that? Sure. You watched the Georgia-Tennessee game on Saturday. Sure did. If Notre Dame plays the way they did on Saturday against Clemson, against Georgia, what's mm-hmm. that game look like? It's going to be harder I, to win. That's that's my yeah. point. It's going to be a lot harder to win that game, yep. right? Because it just it just is because they don't have the same quarterback issues and some of these other things. And I'm I'm exactly. I'm backing your point. If there are still teams out there that you can't just go do what you did on Saturday to beat, right. you can't. But bully ball is great, man. But you know what's right. even better? Bully ball talent with bully ball. <laughs> like that's right. different, right? Like there's. When those two things meet and those two things converge and they become one, that's where your program goes from potentially very good to one of the elite programs. Like that's the difference making because to your point, Brian, Georgia recruits at this level every single year. Alabama recruits to this level every single year. And even in down year for them is still a season where they can beat any team in college football because they have that level of talent, right? So to continue to cut that gap, the talent acquisition part of the conversation is paramount and it's looked great so far 2023 look there's a couple right. holes that still need to be filled in the class but you're sitting right now with the number three class pretty much across every major recruiting platform you're gonna you're a shoe in unless something dramatic happens that you're gonna have a top five class probably better and you're looking at that and you're saying now okay it's not the final step though the next step is okay let's get 24 right now right, right? let's start getting the 25 kids in this is about sustainability like let's go back to sustainability in order to get there the mindset and the talent level need to be on this level one can't be less than the other they have to be equal and we need to get there and Notre Dame's taking steps in the right direction but this is not a finished product until they win a national championship and they start sustaining this type of success that's when you know things are rolling Vince, th- that's so key because why was Georgia able to to overcome the heavy personnel losses they did last year to still be arguably the best team in college football this year? And I, and I was a doubter. Look, I picked Tennessee to win that game, I, and I thought so Tennessee would win, win that yeah. game. Like in in outplay, I thought it was a bad matchup for Georgia, and and but it's it's because it's the consistency that Kirby has shown really since he got there and there's been a, there's always bumps in the roads right like the loss of South Carolina in 2019 that still is like well, what you know but it's the consistency but consistency guys isn't just about on the field in the weight room and it's it's, it's got to be everything everything about your program has to be here's a standard and and ultimately what it comes down to guys is and we haven't even mentioned it so far which we should have is the thing that that Coach Freeman has talked about from the minute he got here was the golden standard. And and even when they were playing poorly, he kept talking about that standard. Like, dude, you're a million miles away from that standard, but nope, doesn't matter. It's it's that's the message, and that's who we're trying to become. And so it's the consistency of it. And and there are some roster holes that you have to fill. Sure. Even with a roster that's top five to seven, in my opinion. At worst, eight to ten. At worst, right? At worst, uh, but it's about getting to that level where you're in the top three. And mm-hmm. so, what are those areas that you look at as a program? Big picture, quarterbacks still a big one, mm-hmm. Absolutely. and and it's a development and a coaching thing. And so that's sure. another thing is the offense has to get better. Whether that means Coach Reese getting better or someone else coming in, don't matter. Don't care. 
I just wanted to get better. And if it's Coach Reese, that's great because then there's continuity and you don't have to worry about certain things, right? Hopefully he grows up and matures. But the offense has to get better in a, yeah. in a big way. Vince. I want to I want to talk about that for just a quick second when, when we're talking mm-hmm. about Tommy Reese and we're talking about the expectations and we're talking about the macro of the whole thing. You know, I said I was excited that Marcus Freeman called that play for Michael Mayer at the end of the game mm-hmm. to, to, to seal it, right? To put the nail in the coffin, essentially. That sent a message not only to the fan base, to to us, right, to the team, but I think it also sent a message to Tommy Reese because mm-hmm. two different people, both Marcus Freeman and then whoever the kid was that was calling in the signals, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, Coach Reese was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Well, the sure? second guy said Drew had that. Drew looked at him. The, for, Freeman said that Reese questioned it, and then the okay. second guy said, I called it into Drew, and Drew was like, are you sure? Okay. All but right. where's Drew learning that from? Though? Exactly. I think it was right. a message sent like that we need to raise our game. Like we right. need to raise our expectations for how we call an offense, for how we right. coach up this team. Look, I will I, I've said it all along. I, I think that Tommy Reese is a good coach. I just think that he was taught a certain way. I think he can adapt. And I think that come that is also part of the the way he coaches quarterbacks, the way he calls plays, however you want to put it. I think he can grow, and I think he can be fine. He can do the things that he needs to do to elevate that position room. I, I do. Right. And so, to me, that was a message that was being sent. like, hey, we need to raise our game. And that right. is going to be Marcus Freeman's mantra across the board. And when we talk about developing guys at the position, right, we talk about developing quarterbacks, how that's been a problem. Nobody's going to disagree with that, right? Marcus Freeman's going to demand that that happens. And if the guys that are currently on staff, aren't up to it, he's going to find somebody else. That's where I'm at right now. That's how I believe in the macro things are going to change moving forward. And and it won't be like a divorce. It'll just be like, hey, we're not on the same page here. That's cool. My hope is that it doesn't come to that. My hope is that that as a 30-year-old, there's a lot more room for Tommy Reese to develop and and mature. And my hope is that he does. And if, if he doesn't, make a change. But if he does... I actually think long term that's better for Notre Dame. I agree that that it that it happened. I mean, is he capable of it? We'll find out. But the point is, no matter what the the, the reason is, the offense has to get better. And I think there's this misnomer that I thought that 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 I hope that Coach Freeman also knows that the Coach Reese knows. Hey guys, you can run the football and score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Those two things don't have to go. Like this isn't 1985 where you're running for 280 yards a game and scoring 20 points. You know, we've talked about this about the Notre Dame teams back in the 1980s. And one of the, the misconceptions is, is that like if you because people will look at, at, at Notre Dame's 1988, 1989 teams, especially the 89 team. And they'll say, well, they only scored and then they'll insert points. Right. Well, they only scored, um, you know, 32.8 points per game in 1988. Well, nowadays that's like that's not a lot of points, right? Like if you look nowadays, team thirty two point eight points per game would tie you for 39th in the country. Back then it was fourteenth. Yeah. Now it's a team that could score. Gotta score. You know, man. Uh, score. you look at the nineteen eighty nine team that averaged thirty two point eight points per game. They ranked eleventh in scoring. And so the the in the nineteen ninety one team that won the Sugar Bowl. That team scored 35.8 points per game. Nowadays, 35.8 gets you ranked 27th. Back in 1991, that got you ranked 7th. 
You know, 1992, Notre Dame ranks fourth in scoring. 1993, they ranked eighth in scoring. So my point is, those teams were running football teams. They scored a lot of points. Yeah, You can do that. And and so I don't think there's this way, well, Coach Freeman wants to be a running team, so you're going to have to win a bunch of games 24 to 17. No, no, not necessarily. If you have a pass game that is better and deeper and more talented, and I think that's where the quarterback part comes into play. Because I look at it and say, man – there, like we we talked about this, Vince, when you and I were watching the film, and I, Ryan, I called you because I wanted to see, like, okay, is it just me? I said, hey, Ryan, watch this play. Tell me what you think. And he's like, oh man, if you bang that goal route to Tobias, that's six mm-hmm. or at least a big play. There's opportunities there. What we're seeing now from Chancey Stuckey and and Chad Bowden, especially as a, as a combination with Coach Reese as well, is they're able to go out and, despite what we're seeing on the field. There's no wavering from Jaden Greathouse. There's no wavering from Braylon James. There's, you know, there's no wavering from Rico Flores. And they're hopefully about to land Caleb Smith, hopefully, to go with mm-hmm. Dylan Edwards and Jeremiah Love. I mean, Jeremiah Love committed Notre Dame on a day where the Notre Dame offense embarrassed itself. No wavering. No wavering. There's no wavering from Cooper Flanagan. There's no wavering from Charles Jagasaw. I mean, the lineman's a different story because why would you waver if you, you know, if you're an offensive lineman? <laughs> but you get my point, guys. They've sold the vision. I agree. And so that's a, I mean, that's a great great step towards it and the macro of this whole thing right we're talking about the the win over clemson when all of those guys were present like in person which is huge then you've got the next three games to really make a statement about who you are as a football team that you can sell now and i use the word sell it's like a con man sell but but that's what you're doing you're trying to sell your vision for what the team is right you've got that going into the offseason and we're going to have another amazing offseason like we did last offseason you know what right. I mean? And we're going to be, we're going to have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're going to have a lot of commitment shows that we're going to be talking about. And there's just going to be a lot of excitement surrounding this program. If they finish the way that they played Saturday night, if they can finish that off and go nine and three and win a bowl game, you know, a big bowl game or whatever the case may be, you can't be at a much higher level from a recruiting standpoint and from where your program right. is like, look, yes, we had some major bumps in the road earlier on the season. But did you see how we finished? Did you see See, where we are? That's it right there. That's it right there. Because one of the things that pissed me off more than anything after the Marshall game was the stuff, see, they don't have the players. Right. (laughs) They don't have the talent. Right. And and, and that's that's one of the the laziest things that you can say about a team. Now, sometimes it's true. UConn, UConn doesn't have talent. But you know what? The same dudes that UConn had last year look a lot better this year. Now, they're still not a very good team because they don't have great players. Sure. But did they get a million tra- – Ryan, you you pay attention to this. Did UConn mm-hmm. get like 25 transfers this year with Jim Moore Jr.? No. Yeah. Dude, they're only averaging 18.5 points a game, but they're 5-5. Five and five. Why? They're coached better, right? Like the team that just smacked Syracuse – and and um, Clemson is a more banged up version of the team that lost to Marshall. Mm-hmm. So did they get a bunch of like? Did they make? Did they do at the NFL? Did they make trades? Did they sign somebody off the free agent wire? I mean, as far as I know, that's still not coming to college football yet. The offseason yet. free agency is there, but it may be there. Yeah. You know, like if you jump in the portal before week three, you can go play for another team. That's going to probably come to college football someday. Don't even get me started on that. Uh, However, 
The point is, they didn't go out and find new players. They coached nah. up the players they had better. And again, well, TCU, Saturday, TCU as well. Like you used that's TCU a as great example. example. Yeah, they actually lost players to the portal. Didn't they lose yeah. a defensive lineman as well in the portal? To, went somewhere. So. They lost Zach so. Evans, who's now yeah. a, 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 a O'Shawn Mathis is the defensive end that transferred to Nebraska. To right. Point. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you he's looking back on that thing and what the freaking heck was I thinking? Right? Um, Couldn't handle the Texas heat. So so here, here's here's what my point. I know, right? One of so here, here's my point. The talent has been pretty good to begin with. And this staff is showing we can get you there. Mm-hmm. Micro-wise, though, that's why these next two games are important, though, fellas. It's because they got to continue that so it doesn't look like a flash in the pan kind of game. Because do they got to get better? Yeah, they got to recruit better. And they are. They still have to recruit better at safety. That's why keeping Peyton Bowen is so important. We think they will. It's why we have the updates we have on the message boards about it. And I know that some of you are not going to believe us until signing day and you see his name and all that kind of stuff. I get it. Whatever it is, what it is. And, and uh, you know, they've got to get better receiver consistently. Can't just be one mm-hmm. class consistently, quarterback consistently, you know, defensive line, edge players. That's still a concern for me. The consistent, you know, not getting Keon Keeley takes a lot of shine off that D-line class. Sure. You know, and it that that even would have been there even if Jason Moore would have picked them because he's a different kind of player. You couldn't keep Keon Keeley. That's the next stage. That's the next level. You Brandon Davis Swain's a good start in 2024, but you now need like a an ed, a Viper type of guy. So there are areas where the recruiting has to get better. The development has to continue to get better as well. Al Golden still has to show me that he can develop linebackers. Yeah. Right now, that's not so much what happened in the first six games. I'm just even big picture. The guy's been in the NFL for seven years. Sure. Right. We haven't seen how he can develop young players. I haven't seen the young linebackers in Notre Dame play a snap. The first yep. linebackers haven't played snap. Well, Jaden Sneed played a couple, but that's it. Right. He's got to show me he can develop it. But you know, they're recruiting. I mean, the last two years, give me Notre Dame's 22 and 23 linebacker class, and I'll stack it up against anybody's. Yep. You know, give me Notre Dame's cornerback recruiting at 22 and 23. And I told y'all that Benjamin Morrison was a top 100 player. Ryan agreed. Vince agreed. So we told y'all that he was a top 100 player. So let me, let me, let me, uh, there was nobody at Irish Breakdown that disagreed with that comment, with that evaluation. Nobody. So recruiting rankings be damned. And that was kind of the point I was getting to is I don't care about, this guy's a five-star. This guy's a three-star. Give me guys with incredibly high ceilings that are football players. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing more and more of is you're seeing these kids. You're like, well, where's Dylan Edwards going to play? Where's Jeremiah Love going to play? Figure you know, it where's, out. where's Brandon Hillman going to play? Where I mean, if Peyton Bowen walked into my office tomorrow, if I'm Marcus Freeman said, Coach, you know what? Like, I really want to play offensive college. Okay, cool. We got to go find a new safety, but now we got a dude at wide receiver. Right. Like that's that that's that's kind of what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you want to find football. Play. Jaden Osbury is not the the long kind of prototype, the, the Clark Lee prototype. Like Clark Lee looked for those guys like like Osidek Wanu and and Ovia Gofu and guys like that were just like super long and those kind of guys. And he, he kind of overlooked that they weren't necessarily natural football players because they had the length. Jaden Osbury is a football player. Drake Bowen's a football player, sure right? Is. Preston Zinter's a football player, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the thing. You look, Nolan Ziegler's a football player. Josh Burnham's a football player. I don't know where, 
I don't know if he's going to play tight end or Viper or Mike or what, but you know what? He's going to be a dude somewhere. And that's the thing that I'm excited to see, fellas. Like I was talking to somebody yesterday. You know who I was talking with somebody, uh, a source yesterday, and we were kind of going over the future. And you want to know who the first defensive player they said to me, like, dude, I know you're not going to say anything about him, but I'm telling you right now, this kid is going to be a dude. You know the first name that came to mind, what they said to me? Donovan Heinish. Say so they can't block him. And you know who he goes against every day in practice, Vince? First team offense. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, yeah. right. And, and it's the guy that we kind of said, oh, he's a kind of the throw in because he's Kurt's brother. Right? Well, that throw ins they think can be a pretty good football well, and, player. And, and look, it's we, getting good football players. Yeah. And, and we all said that he he's bigger and more athletic than his brother right. was. And, you know, we saw what his brother could do. He's a real important mm-hmm. cog into the wheel of what Notre Dame defense was up front. So, and, 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 he, and he's an NFL player now. <laughs> yeah, let's say he's an NFL player now. Yeah. 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 Good point. So, I mean, recruiting wise, we've talked about it. Edge, edge. I think the overall team speed also can get better. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's something else that this 2023 class is bringing that they need to continue doing a 20 sure. There's a lot of it's team wild, speed. Man. And it's not just receiver and running back. I mean, Jeremiah Love is can fly. Yes. Dylan Edwards can fly. Braylon mm-hmm. James can fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Micah Bell is faster than all of them. Peyton mm-hmm. Bowen. I mean, think about this. Br- Peyton Bowen has run a verified 4-3-8 for Notre Dame and a 4-3-9 this summer at the ESPN Combine. And he's their third fastest recruit. Dylan Edwards literally beat him in a sprint at that same event. Yep. Think about that. And because my and Dylan Edwards, who beat Peyton Bowen, isn't their fastest either. Micah Bell is, right? Christian Gray's a, ran a 4 4 1. We're like, yeah, he's maybe top five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's that's wild, the man. thing, too, is they're bringing in athletes. And so those are all positives. But it's got to be stacked up on top of each other. And, and, and the exciting thing, the reason Notre Dame fans, I think, are so excited is because this is the thing that no, that most people don't – yeah, Marcus Freeman is going to recruit better at Notre Dame. I mean, they could debate, can he really land like the number one overall class? Can he really be top three every year? Uh, we don't know. But what I think people believe is he can certainly recruit better than Brian Kelly did consistently. There's yep. no question. What Saturday showed a lot of people, and I think which has a lot of people excited – is that Marcus Freeman showed he can coach as well. Right. But right. I think he's coming into it though. Like I, I, right. I, you, you have seen the growth from Marcus Freeman from game one to where he is now. There, there has been clear and consistent growth from his head coaching. And you're starting mm-hmm. to see his personality come out. You're starting to see his decision-making come out and it's all positive, man. Like it is really, really good to see. And it's, it's almost like it's been uh, microwaved, right? Like it's it's <laughs> happened so obviously over the first nine games and so positively over the first nine games. It takes some head coaches years to make that kind of a step, in my opinion, right? And he still needs to grow. He's not a perfect head Nobody's ever a perfect head coach. You know what, though, Vince? You know what I love? So he great. owned it. Yes. I love his honesty. Exactly. Exactly. Like the comment he made was it after the game or was it was it after the game or was it early last week where he was talking about like I didn't really know like <laughs> I didn't really know what we needed to do after Marshall. I, right. I, you know, I, I thought we were ready to play. Right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Right. But to watch him evolve in such a short period of time. Yes. Vince mm-hmm. is your point is that's been the refreshing thing. It's yes. like 
he's a he's learning quickly because it's no coaches are no different than players. The players you wanted the guy that that has to make that mistake once or twice and then it's not happening again. And then you learn from yeah. it, right? right? Coaches are no different. And I mean, we, the last head coach would literally make the same mistakes in year twelve that yes. he made in year two. And but we've seen we saw inklings that that's who Marcus Freeman was up close and personal when he was the defensive right. coordinator at Notre Dame. And I didn't follow his career prior to that, obviously from a close up standpoint, but we saw it as the defensive coordinator when after the Florida state game, he's like, I my, you know, my, my fault, I will do better. And he changed and he yeah. adapted and he did all of these things. So we saw that that's who he is as a coach and who he is as a man. And now we're seeing it as a head coach. Right. Obviously mm-hmm. I was hoping it would be better off at the beginning. <laughs> but sure. he sure. has grown tremendously over the first nine games. Right. No doubt well, about there's, it. There's been a massive transformation. I think one thing, Vince, is that I, I think that a lot of people got a false assumption of of Coach Freeman early on in the in the season. They're just kind of watching him. They're like, he looks how how many times did you hear this, Brian? He looks emotionless on the sidelines. And people are mistaking that to like he's over his head when I think that there was a real tangible part of it that he was evaluating and he's trying to figure it out, right? And he's trying to figure out where he can put his stamp on and what's Mm -hmm. the net proper steps because misguided steps are are false, are bad for the program as well, right? Like if you take a couple steps forward, but you're not solidified with your belief in them, then like you're going to set your team back further right right? so i think that there was a misconception of how he was trying to kind of tackle the building of it i think part of it too was yeah he was learning and evaluating like we saw against oklahoma Mm -hmm. state but i also think part of it was like my thing is i don't care if marcus freeman is stoic on the sidelines i don't care doesn't matter i don't care if he's energetic on the sidelines my thing and i've I've said this i've been the one thing i've been one thing i have been consistent about is i don't just like I don't care if a guy's up in the booth or down on the field. I don't care. It's mm-hmm. it's be yourself. Yep. And I think early in the season, Marcus Freeman was trying to act. It's kind of like this. You ever it, it, today's election day? So I use he has to act presidential. Like I don't give a crap if a guy acts presidential. I want a guy to get the job done. I want right. more money in my bank account. I want our nation to be safe and secure. I don't care if you have a D or an R by your name. If you're doing those kind of things, you're protecting protecting freedoms. You're gonna get my vote. I don't know if you're D, R, I, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if you act presidential or not. Get the job done. And same thing here is like, there's a lot of different ways to be a successful head coach. But the best head coaches don't act this way. You know mm-hmm. what they, how they act? Like themselves. Exactly. Dabo acts differently than Nick Saban. Nick Saban acts differently than Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer acts differently than insert great head coach. Sure. They're all themselves. And I think what we're seeing is Marcus Freeman's like, you know what? Screw acting like a head coach. I am a head coach. I am the head coach in their name. And I got there by being me. And, and it's all. And part this of the was process. the advice we gave him after the Stanford game: be yourself, because no one like, you're going to win or you're going to fail if you're not you. If you're going to fail, fail. It's like this: if I'm going to lose this fight, I promise you, you're going to get every blow I possibly have. Yep. Cause I'm going down swinging. I'm not going to go down there like a little, you know, well, like, Oh, please don't hurt me. You know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going, you may get me, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you on my way out of there. Right. I'm going to be me. And that's what coach Freeman has done. He's being himself. And I think that's why this team has rallied so much. Like that's the guy that I remember being my D coordinator. Yes. That's the guy that I, and I think what he's realized is cause he was a pretty fiery guy in practice as a D coordinator, but then on game day, he was pretty calm because he has to get calls in and stuff like that. 
what I think he has learned is I can be that version of me all the time. Cause I think a coordinator has to have a level of and, and there it's rare to have a guy like a Brett Venables that can be good all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's rare, but that's who he is, right? I'm actually someone who doesn't want coaches being insane during games, right? Like I don't want you yelling and cussing and 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 that's Monday to Friday. I want you got to be focused on as play callers. You got to be focused on what comes next. Get that crap out of here. <laughs> I couldn't help um, it. I um, couldn't help it. So it's it's more of a <laughs> it's more of a uh, looking at it from the standpoint of. I have to be this way on Saturday as a coordinator because I can't be focused on being fired up. I have to get the next call in. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I have to do this, but as a head coach, I'm not making calls. I can be that sort of energetic guy that the kids feed off of. And because that's who he is. And so I think that's the thing is, is that's also a change too. And it's part of that Vince, as you talked about that evolution of him, that maturing of him as a head coach and saying, Hey, I don't have to act like I'm, I don't have to act like I'm the head coach. I am the head coach. Right. right. And I'm going to be me. Yep. And if this team can take on that personality, man, who boy. And I will say it took him a lot less time to figure that out than it does a lot of other head yes. coaches who are first time head coaches. And to do it at Notre Dame in the amount of time that he's done it is also pretty friggin' impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's got to keep it up. You know, I still want to see the the chart going like this, right? I still need to see it. But as of right now, I mean, he has done amazing things with himself over the first nine games of his tenure as the head coach at Notre Dame. And it's been very impressive to me. And the key is going to be knowing what your team needs. Your team sometimes needs to adjust. Yeah. Sometimes your team needs to kick in the pants. Sometimes you're, it's like this as a coach. Sometimes your kids need to say, hey, look, guys, we're we're okay. Let's calm down. We're going to be fine. You know, like, Sometimes you're, they need to, sometimes the quarterback needs to be told, do your effing job. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your quarterback needs to be told, hey, buddy, just take a deep breath. You're going to be fine. You've got this. You've done this in practice a million times. Just relax. The great coaches know the difference. And that's going to be something that Coach Freeman is going to have to learn. And that's honestly something I'm not worried about because I believe I was, I've been told by people at Cincinnati, people in Notre Dame, that's what something he was pretty good at it as a coordinator. He didn't handle every situation the same. It would depend on yeah. kind of who it was and, and that kind of thing. So that's certainly exciting because, as we said, guys, the, the recruiting was never the question. The The thing was, could can they coach? Yeah. And that's what we said coming the year. And for a while, there's like, I don't know if they can coach. But they're showing that he, he – showing he can. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And, you know, like somebody said, you listen to him after the game and just kind of – how he talked about how big the win was and how the previous coach talked about how big their win was on Saturday. And you just look at the dichotomy and how they, you know, me versus us, real big difference. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of guy people are going to coach with. Bingo. And the kind of guy that people are going to play for. Bingo. And that's going to be the key. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show, fellas. I, we're, we have a mailbag coming up next, but that's going to do it for this portion of the show. Uh, this is going to be the next couple of weeks is going to be really, really big. It's going to be really big, as we mentioned. It, it It's not big from an opponent standpoint. We're not going to try to pretend to tell you that, hey, this Navy game is very important from a football standpoint. This Navy game, for me, is important in two ways. What the game means, big picture. And if you mm-hmm. don't know what I'm talking about, read the article. 
that we have on the front page of irishbreakdown.com right now from Andrew McDonough. The title of the article is Notre Dame and Navy, a bond forged in blood. I would encourage you to read that. If you're someone who doesn't understand why Notre Dame plays Navy, I would encourage you to read that. Or complains about it all the time. Right. The other thing about this game is what does this game mean for Notre Dame? This is a process game, fellas. This is a game that it's not about Navy. It's not necessarily even about the triple option. It's about you and your process and who you are. And so that's what we're going to learn about this football team and, and moving forward. That's why this game matters. Okay. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We're going to have a mailbag coming up next, and I'll answer that question here when we get to the mailbag. But before we get there, hit that like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. We have a link to the merch store at the bottom of this, Ryan. You can stop now. We all we all see it. Okay? I'm just practicing the triple okay. option. I'm you sorry. can stop now. Uh, you can check. You can click on the store link at the bottom of the of the page, Vince. I see. Here's the thing. Ryan lives in Jersey. I can't go over and slap him. You live in my neighborhood, okay? And you're home today. Take so, uh, but uh, if you're listening via podcast, folks, please give us a five-star review. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.